County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, I wanted to touch on a topic um, today that really has been uh, on my mind lately and something that um, I think I've addressed uh, perhaps in passing before uh, on the podcast and maybe just deal with it a little bit more today. Uh, it has to do with something that I read in uh, uh, C.S. Lewis's letters and uh, really see throughout Scripture as well. And it's kind of come to my uh, attention again recently just because of different conversations I've been having in the community as well as even just looking at my own heart and evaluating why I do the things that I do. And it has to do with uh, two realities, and that is our desires and our reason. And really want to touch on why we do things that we do, even when we know that those things will oftentimes be uh, the very things that damage or harm us the most. We knowingly will do things that cause damage to ourselves. Uh, C.S. Lewis received a letter uh, from a young psychology uh, student, and in the letter, she asked Lewis whether or not it would be possible to cure a patient through re-education uh, or to cure sin through uh, re-education. Could it be accounted for? Could you account for sin based on faulty reasoning and just inform the patient or the, the sinner what they're doing wrong and then that cures it? Uh this is where Lewis responds with uh, a, a statement where he says, quote, A man's reason sees perfectly clearly that the resulting discomfort and inconvenience will far outweigh the pleasure of the ten minutes in bed. Yet he stays in bed, not at all because his reason is deceived, but because desire is stronger than reason. And that statement right there, desire is stronger than reason, is the key to his entire argument here. So he says, you stay in bed for the extra 10 minutes, not because your reason is deceived, but because your desire is stronger than reason. He continues on with the quote and says this, A woman knows that the sharp last word in an argument will produce a serious quarrel, which was the very thing she had intended to avoid when the argument began, and which may permanently destroy her happiness. Yet she says it, that is the sharp last word, not at all because her reason is deceived, but because the desire to score a point is at the moment stronger than her reason." People, you and I among them, constantly choose between two courses of action, the one which we know to be the worse, because at the moment we prefer the gratification of our anger or lust, sloth, greed, vanity, curiosity, or cowardice, not only to the known will of God, but even to what we know will make for our own real comfort and security, end quote. So what Lewis is saying is when we are presented with two choices, we oftentimes will choose the one that we know is going to damage us, we know is going to cause ruin and destruction in our lives, because our desire is stronger than reason. And so he uses two examples. Uh, a third example that we can probably all relate to uh, would be uh, food and dieting. Uh, we, we don't need another seminar on the relationship between poor eating habits and 
uh, obesity. We, we know that. It's not as if someone is going to watch some kind of seminar or go attend a seminar and say, wow, I didn't realize that the connection between what I was eating and, and, and this. We, we know that there is a, a causal relationship there. And yet in the moment, we prefer to have our appetite satisfied than to deny ourselves uh, and, and go through with whatever the weight loss program or whatever it might be or the exercise regimen or whatever. Because when those two courses of action are in front of us, our desire is stronger than our reason. And so we don't need to be convinced intellectually that there's a need to change. We need to have our will uh, changed. And so Lewis gives us some examples from real life. We can add to these examples um, perhaps maybe an, an additional one would be in terms of just the way we spend our finances. And so we know that cutting expenses, you know, we, we can put the budget down on paper, right? We can put the budget down on paper and we could do the math and we could say, if I spend this money, it's going to put me into debt or it's going to dig me a deeper hole into debt and it's going to cause more ruin and more damage and more destruction. And yet I do that I take that bad course of action, not because my reason is deceived, not because I was confused about the math. I've done the math. I know it works out. But the reason that we spend that money is because our desire to have that item or desire to have this uh, you know, greed fulfilled is stronger than, than reason. And so I'll do things that cause for my own real hurt. Uh, because desire is stronger than reason. And these are, of course, uh, just some examples we can pull from our own lives that seems to confirm what Lewis is saying. But if we really want to find out if what Lewis is saying is right, then we've got to go to Scripture and see, do we have examples of these same uh, realities? Do we have statements in Scripture? And I would suggest that we do have uh, some of those statements, and one of the uh, perhaps better-known statements would be in Luke 16, uh, in verse 31, and the background to this is you've got, you know, the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man goes to hell, and he talks to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, he says, can you please send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my family about this place? And Abraham tells him that they will not be convinced by someone who rises from the dead in Luke 16, 31. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And so even if they see someone uh, come back from the dead, they're not going to listen to that. They're not going to change that because it's more than just... Uh, informing the mind. Now, certainly that's part of it. In fact, that's a big part of it. We know that the gospel needs to be preached. People need to hear the word. They can't just absorb it through osmosis. And so people need to, to hear that message. But there needs to be a change of heart and a change of the will. Re-education or retraining really sounds more like the behavioristic model of psychology than the biblical model for change. 
uh, psychological behaviorism embraces an alternate model of reality, including the fact that mankind is morally neutral instead of morally depraved, as the Bible teaches. And so what this model does is it teaches and believes that people can change if they're just taught differently. Uh, and it fails to understand the biblical concept that, that people not only can't change, they, they don't want to change. And so we're acting in accord with our will. Our will is stronger or our desire is stronger than reason. Uh, some additional Bible passages that would touch on this, Matthew seven seventeen. every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And so because our hearts are like this diseased tree, we're bearing bad fruit through bad decisions, not making right decisions. Uh, Ephesians four seventeen through 18. Now this I say in testifying the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. And so you've got in this text uh, specifically that the Gentiles are darkened in their understanding as he traces it all the way through. It happens because of hard hearts. And so my understanding is impacted by my heart. It's impacted by my will. Um, we could also go to Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five. The desire of the sluggard kills him. Our desires... Uh, ha- have impact. And the rest of the, that verse says, for his hands refuse to labor. And so you've got this sluggard, and he has two options in front of him. He can either work, which is the reasonable course of action, or he could not work and just live out his lazy lifestyle. And he chooses, the sluggard chooses to go with his desires instead of reason. And so his desire kills him. Uh, Genesis nineteen eleven when you have uh, the men of Sodom who are uh, coming into um, Lot's house uh, in order to have homosexual relations with uh, the men who come to, so- to Lot's house. Uh, the angels strike the men with blindness, and it's interesting here. You would think that that would be a sign that what they were doing was wrong and they should stop it, but it says they wore themselves out groping for the door. They didn't stop. Their desire to have that lust fulfilled was stronger than their reason. Uh, they should have seen what was happening, stopped, and yet they continued to pursue that course of action. Um, and then this is an interesting one, John twelve twenty. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And so there is uh, a, and I, this idea of a hard heart. Uh, desire is stronger than reason. Uh, Romans 1, uh, verses uh, 18, beginning there. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. In other words, they don't, people who are unbelievers don't need to be told that God exists. They already know that. It's plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, 
but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so you can't suppress something that you that, that you don't believe exists. People know, unbelievers know that God exists, and yet they suppress that truth. Um James 4, last one we'll hit here, James 4, 1 through 3, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. What is the, what is the cause of murder here? He's, he attributes it to the desires uh, of men and women who do not get what they want. And so desire in the Bible, or we could roughly correlate this with the will, Uh, the desire and the will of mankind is stronger than reason. And I would suggest to us that this is something we need to keep in mind as we engage in conversations uh, in, in our community, as well as even as we begin to evaluate the sins of our own hearts. Uh, most of the time when we see a particular sin struggle that we have, it's not that we need to be re-educated about it. To have a problem with gluttony, we know the problem, what the problem is. To have a problem with lust and pornography, we know what the problem is. We know the destruction that that causes in relationships, and yet we choose to do it anyway. Uh, to, to lie or to steal, we don't need to be re-educated about how wrong those things are. We know that the damage that those things can cause, and yet we choose to do them anyway. And so over and over and over again, we are choosing to do things not because our uh, reason is deceived, but because our desire is stronger than reason. And that needs to spill over into the way that we minister the gospel to others, and we need to be uh, reminded to go after not just the minds, but go after the hearts. And the only way that we can do that is really through the gospel. The gospel is the tool that God has given to us to soften the hearts and minds of people. And so if we were to go out into the world and merely re-educate people, to be involved in programs that are merely involved in re-educating people about the dangers of particular courses of action, the danger of drugs, the danger of, you know, this, the danger of that. While it may be, while, while it's, it's, um, it's helpful to know that those things are wrong, most people probably don't need to be told how destructive they are. Most people don't need to be told how destructive drugs can be on your body. It's the desire that's stronger than reason, and so we're going to have to find something that can compel the will to make a different decision. And as believers in Christ, we know that the only thing that can do that ultimately is the gospel. And then that really brings the issue to an issue of worship. What is it that we ultimately worship? Are we worshiping our desires? Are we worshiping our own feelings and affections? Or are we ultimately worshiping Christ? And when we get worship right, everything else falls into place. I want to close with uh, just reading an excerpt from an article that I came across recently about an individual who is an atheist talking about relief efforts done in Africa. He talks about returning to the country that he's from in Africa, and there is a charity working there called uh, Pump Aid, and he says Pump Aid helps rural uh, communities to install a simple pump 
letting people keep their village wells sealed and clean. He says, I went to see this work. It inspired me, renewing my uh, flagging faith in developing charities, but traveling in Malawi refreshed another belief too, one that I've been trying to banish all my life, but an observation I've been unable to avoid since my African childhood. It confounds my ideological beliefs, stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview, and has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. Now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. And here you've got an atheist making a remarkably transparent confession. And his confession is the fact that education, training, re-education, that is not the answer. He says Christianity changes people's hearts, that something has to be done that addresses more than just reason. Something has to be done that compels the will. And I would suggest that the only thing that can do that is Christ in the gospel as this one atheist has interestingly enough observed happening. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Orville YMCA. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.